And a lot of that comes out in the table reads, the conversations before you're shooting. So mm-hmm. even when you jump out there kind of quote unquote free, you're still going to be within their kind of guidance. So yeah, it's not like you get out there and well, some, sometimes I, mean, I guess it is, but <laughs> you get out there and you just go a whole 180 and they're like, I don't know what you did, but the opposite <laughs> of that. And it'll be hey, perfect. what's going on, guys? My name is Kenneth Jackson. I'm an actor from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Trey Riley. I'm a writer-director from Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is Cinevibes. And, of course, as always, what did you watch? I don't think you're prepared. I have a list all right, so I found a sticky note app on my PC. So now sticky notes are a part of my life. Uh, <laughs> and um, Game changer. Yes. And so I got to give a shout out to Bryce Heller for putting me on to um, Criterion Channel. I got to mm. because I was having a conversation with him and he was throwing out Criterion Channel this, Criterion Channel that or Criterion Collection this. And I'm just like, I'd never heard of that. I was like, what is that? And now as a yeah. movie buff, I'm like, <laughs> it's like a whole new world has been opened to my eyes. And I'm like, yo, this is absolutely mind blowing. Now I'm like, I have anxiety that I don't have enough time in my life to watch all of this. Um but yeah, it's a great uh, outlet. Yeah, it, it's got so much from like old movies from like the 1940s to uh, 50s and 60s, all that sort of stuff. And then also even new stuff today because uh, it's one of the stuff on my list. Corpus Christi, I ended up watching that by mm. Jan Kamasa and it's a Polish film. And so it's all in Polish subtitles. I, I'm, I'm reading the whole thing and. Uh, not that, dubbed. That was a pretty, pretty wild movie. That was like it was a dark comedy, um, and it was kind of. I, I thought it was really insightful about like how, uh, it it shows a good chunk about how people want to be seen as good people, and then, um, they are doing what they think is right, but also how ignorant they can be to things <laughs> that they might not deem right. Or they they don't want to understand. So like turning a blind eye. Watch the movie. You'll you'll figure it out. Have you seen it? I haven't. I'm curious why it's titled that. Unless Corpus Christi in the U.S. comes from somewhere in Europe, or is it set in the U.S.? No, it's set in Poland. Okay. And um, it's about this guy who goes. Uh, he he's let out a juvie, and then he goes to this town. Uh, where he's supposed to work in the sawmill and he doesn't want to do that of course like he'd done right. juvie work in the sawmill and now he doesn't want to do it outside and he had worked with the ministry in the juvie system and i don't think he was ordained to be a priest but he goes to this town and he has the entire get up of the father uh, of a <laughs> preacher and he says, I'm a preacher. And so they pretty much accept him as their, uh, as a priest, as a father. And so he pretty much gets the reins of this church. And you see how these people, they'll, it's very strange, like the way he would go about things. And he's very charismatic. And it's, it's hilarious whenever he does go on these wild tangents. And the people are just like, oh, okay, sure. And they, <laughs> they just follow his example. Right. And so that's almost like the blind faith of like, well, I mean, he's wearing the collar and everything. I mean, he must be right. And so no one's ever second guessing him. But, you know, he's, you know, the night before he was doing drugs, having sex with random people and then just doing all this other stuff. But yet during the day, he's dressed up in a father's outfit. and Nobody is saying anything. If you look the part. Um, so I think, and, and there's a whole deeper undertone with the town in a tragic event that I think is very eye-opening to like how people tend to only see things in one direction and not look at them from another way. 
Um, so I watched Corpus Christi, definitely recommend it. All but right. to rattle off the other stuff I watched, I watched Blood on the Moon, which was uh, back in the 1950s, I believe. And it was part of the Western Noir. Are these all movement. on the Criterion channel? All of these are on the Criterion channel. And Blood on the Moon, I thought it was good. It was a solid story. And um, I think it did a good job. Like, black and white, this movie, I'm not saying it changed my perspective on it, but <laughs> I think that is something I definitely want to mess with now with movies because just black and white in general, uh, I think, can add a whole new layer to ideas I've had before. It also uh, makes production make simpler when you're yeah, not worried there's about... No, no color grading you have to do, right? <laughs> what anything might look like. It's just shades of black and white. Different shades, yeah. And so I watched Blood on the Moon, then I watched La Pointe Court, which is by Agnes Varda. I sounded French. It was French. It she was uh deemed the pretty much precursor or the founder of like the French New Wave. Okay. Um or one of the uh, first pioneers of the French New Wave. And I thought that film was fantastic uh, because in an interview she had, she said that this film, she she came from writing. She did not come from filmmaking. She did not have any background in filmmaking. So with this film, she pretty much did it as a as she would a novel. And she was very inspired by uh, a book I forget the name of, but the book pretty much had this staccato feel of you would be uh, listening into this story over here and learning more and learning more. And then it would cut to this other story that was going on at the same time Mm -hmm. and talking about like the people that lived in this town and stuff like that. And um, so her film focuses heavily on the people of the town, but also the uh, story of a couple that are fighting because of you know they're married for a few years and the initial puppy love is wearing away (laughs) and it has a lot to say on what it means to love someone after that phase is gone because one one of the biggest stuff the uh, woman she was like you know that love I had is gone and you don't love me the same way your love is more brutal or not brutal but it's more brutish in the fact that you know you love me the same regardless. Even if you still love me the same as you did in the beginning, it seems like it's not that much. And uh, I think that definitely speaks to me because I think that uh, regardless of, you know, like my love-hate relationship with how acting can be at times, I still will do it regardless, right? It, sure. It's not something that I just am like, oh, I, I'm going to be huge next year, right? It's more of like, eh, maybe like, 10 years, 20 years down the road, doesn't really matter. I'm going to do it day in and day You're out. You're going to be it's huge business. next year, don't worry. <laughs> so I think it has a lot to say on uh, love, and it very was, very much was poetic. So definitely recommend that. Last night I watched The Golden 80s by Chantel Ackerman, another French film. And wow. that one I think is just, I think that one's fun hmm. because it's, it's kind of musical. You said that was from the 80s? Yes, this one was from the 80s. Okay. Eight, 1984, uh, I remember. No, actually, 86. Um, but sh- that film, it was more fun because uh, even from the get-go, you get the style. is like there's these characters that you never know their name, but it's almost like they're a group of guys that just like poke their head in the frame and then say something to the camera and then jump back out. And it's extremely fun. And then, you know, they'll just bust into singing whether like it's only a few lines that they sing and then they stop. Uh, but it's just revealing, uh, their emotions and Mm. stuff like that. So definitely a fun watch. Um, yeah, some people might be like, this is a little (laughs) weird. And I liked it because, uh, it did, it was very romantic. It was very melodramatic in that sense that, you know, Oh, he doesn't love me. Oh, what do I do? And then it's like, Oh, he proposed to me. Yes. Like a lot of early, like, American cinema in the 40s and 50s is like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, I, I thought that was great, but it was to- it was told almost from this feminine point of view, which um, I thought was great that it wasn't just from the man's point of view of what a man wants 
from women, but rather right. women talking about what they want to talk about, right? Um, so definitely that one as well. And then also Young Torlus, which is by Volker Schlondorf. Oh my goodness. Which is a, a German a film. Name. Yes. Uh, that one, I can't remember when it was, uh, when that one was. I, I want to say it was back in the 60s or something like that. But uh, that one, I I definitely recommend that one as well. <laughs> because I think it, ha- it, it has this sort of uh, commentary on, uh, if you watch it closely, I don't know if I was looking into it way too much like I usually do, but I thought it had a very, very... Uh, I don't want to say sympathizing, but rather like showing the audience that, you know, this this kid, young Torlis, goes to this boarding school in Austria. He meets these friends who, uh, one of the friends has something stolen from him. And this kid that stole from the friend, they end up finding out who it is. And they don't tell on the kid because the kid would just get expelled and sent back home. Rather, they decide to torture him and then make him regret what he had done mm. and then tell him that he's a terrible person unless he can repent and like do exactly what they say, right? And so it's a film about you know, his morality and how he's like, how can I just stand by and just let him be tortured? But at the same time, he does. He goes back and forth between, oh, I want to help, and then he steps away and he's like, nope, it's not my problem. Um, whether that's to save face or not. And it reminded me a lot of, you know, what could have been a precursor to World War II, almost, in the fact that the Treaty of Versailles pretty much restricted Germany in so many ways. Is that when that film is set? In between World War I and II? No, this is set afterwards. Oh, okay. And so this that's why I think it's a commentary possibly on what could have led to it. Um, gotcha. And it's a, it's a, like the reason I say that is because it seemed like the kid that stole, he did something very bad and he was punished for it, which people would say, yes, you need to be punished. But this punishment went almost beyond the fact of it was almost demoralizing and telling them they're not worthy of actually existing in the first place. And I was like, sure. I'm not too familiar with the Treaty of Versailles or what happened there, but I just remember that. Um, it pretty much restricted Germany in a heavy way. Right. And that's not to say anything about World War II, but it's just to say, like, almost like I had talked about with um, uh, Corpus Christi is, like, checking the other side, like, seeing the other point of view, almost. And it's not saying that you're sympathizing with anything, but rather you're just acknowledging. Yeah. Right? So that was my list. That's it. That's all I got for you. No that's more. That's <laughs> heck of a list. Man. You yeah. traveled all around with those films. Yes. So that was what I watched this week. There's probably going to be plenty more. I'm watching another one called like Nocturama, which is another French film, which this one was in 2016. And it's about a group of teenagers that uh, I'll let I'll let you, if you want to watch it, figure out. Yeah, I'm going to need it, this so. list in writing so I can look some of these <laughs> up. Yes. So what did you what did you end up watching? This I'll be week? brief with mine so we can jump into <laughs> grilling you. Right. But uh yeah, I got around to watching Francis Ha. Ah which yeah. we mentioned a few times I think on here and I wanted to jump in and see what Greta Gerwig was doing as an actor before she kinda got her breaks directing. Yeah. Um, it's her and Noah Baumbach. Uh, they wrote the story together. Maybe more so him. I'm not sure, but from what I can mm-hmm. tell, it's mostly about their actual life as they were mm-hmm. kind of coming up and trying to pursue uh, jobs in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And her character, Frances, <laughs> God, is it, perfect. She's all over the like. She's all over the board. She. The way she played that, and I mean, maybe she's playing herself, maybe she's not, you know, mm-hmm. tidbits here and there, I don't know, but it was just like a master class in acting and the yeah. ability to express yourself, and it was really quirky and mm-hmm. kind of like odd comedy patterns and 
beats in it, but I loved it. So another yeah. one that's also in black and white and perhaps that, I mean, I know it was intentional, but they might have done it for the same reason I mentioned because it kind of simplifies things in mm-hmm. terms of post work and such. Yeah. Um, that one's on Netflix, so everyone should go watch that immediately. And then I also watched, and I'm ashamed it took me this long, but I watched The Town. The Town. Which is our boy Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. Mm. And they have a little crew, and they're in Boston. And they rob banks and armored vehicles, and they're just trying to hustle. And they're kind of like... Yeah. Uh, brought into some things through their generations and their parents. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like generational crime, essentially. Yeah. And, of course, you know, when you try and get out of that, there's consequences, and it's not so easy to just say, I'm done. And that was also Ben Affleck directing, and he mm-hmm. won an Oscar for it, I believe. Yeah. Not just for the film, but him directing but I, i'm not sure mm-hmm. anyways i loved it it's like right up your alley so if you haven't seen it it's oh, like yeah. you would love it completely i want to i want to see like because i've heard so many fantastic things about ben affleck behind the camera not i mean not to mention like he's great in front of the camera as well but like i've heard he's done amazing things behind the camera as well sure yeah argo is another one that he Mm-hmm. did that was amazing and then this was actually just a few days ago i watched the devil all the time ah yes <laughs> which is I like every that. celebrity that is acting right now was in that yeah including uh pattinson and cool. tom holland yeah i some people i've seen some buddies of mine they, they weren't really into it I think I have like a little draw to like the backwoods West Virginia stories because they always seem to be right. kind of crazy. Yeah. And just like all the tension among families and everyone knowing everyone just really creates great drama. Yeah. And that story is wild, dude. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know where to begin with just trying to talk about it for a moment. So. I would right. recommend it. It's not for everyone, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but if you're into those types of stories, then check that out. Yeah, I need to watch also it. On ne- all these are on Netflix, guys. Go check them out. All of them are on Netflix. And then the last one is, of course, Tenet. Yes, I watched Tenet, Tenet twice in IMAX, and I won't yep. say anything except don't form an opinion or a review until you've seen it twice. Right. Because yeah. you're going to want to bash it, maybe. And that's just not, that's not how you should do it with that movie. Yeah. Once you watch it twice, you will be floored with what mm-hmm. you piece together on the second watch through. Yeah. And your rating will probably go up, which mine did, which was really cool. So, yeah. We always talk about movies being great, but talk about multiple watches how many filmmakers have this many movies that you need to watch multiple times to gain like all the information yeah that should be a category that you try to shoot for like rewatchability not just for like entertainment value not just for like could you want to get some laughs watching your favorite comedy but just like the whole story is not fully grasped the first time no Definitely not. That was my week, kind of week and a half, I guess. And sounds like we both had pretty solid uh, film endeavors, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, mine mine is just getting started with that list. I have other movies that I have lined up. Yeah, we'll have to keep checking in week to week on how many Criterion Channel movies you crush. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well... Uh, today, we are continuing our episodes, which is a two-part series, talking to ourselves 
interviewing each other about our backstories and trying to get to know one another more. And last week we jumped into my backstory a little bit and can add some solid questions there and hope you guys have already checked that one out. And if you haven't, then shame on you because... How dare you pause this immediately? Don't even go any further. I don't even know how you got this far (laughs) if you haven't listened to that one. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to jump in. I've got some juicy questions about everything in the acting world and beyond. So without further ado, our host, Ken, what's up? It's me. What's up, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Are you nervous? Am I nervous? I'm starting to get nervous. You're sweating, but I'm I think like, that's because you don't have any uh, air I'm conditioning. I'm sweating bullets right now. I'm like that, uh, what is it, Jordan Peele <laughs> meme where he's, where he's just like sweating Oh, that's profusely. great. <laughs> I love that so much. No, I wanted to jump in kind of how we started with me, and I just wanted to see if you can remember what your first memory was with acting or when did you know or think you knew that this is something you wanted to pursue? Was it childhood? No, it was not. This is actually a very fresh memory. Okay. And so actually, I'll actually take you a few years before my first encounter with acting. All right. And I remember I was sitting in my German class. This is how good my memory is for random, like non, like, why should I remember this type of stuff? This is going to be a good story. But I was, I was in high school and I was sitting in my German class and Uh, I believe I was just, you know, I I had gotten this request to go deliver something to the acting teacher or the drama teacher. And I said, okay, I never went down there. She was the last (laughs) door on the left. And I was like, no, I never ventured that far. I knew they had done some stuff. I came from a very small school that the drama department was not huge, but it, it, it existed uh, but I had gone down there and I dropped it off and I had seen all the set pieces that they had painted just around the room. And uh, I just thought to myself, I was like, man, would I, would I ever do acting? I was like, why, why had I never done acting? I literally had that thought. I was like, what if, what if I had done acting when I was younger? And I was like, nah. <laughs> so then I just left and like, I forgot about it. Um... So then to get to what really like put me over the edge with acting and like just getting involved in film altogether. No, it was, was high school, correct? That was in high school. Okay. Uh, I would say probably in my junior year. Um, but this was in my sophomore year of college. And uh, lo and behold, I was at a German meeting. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> no way! It's all coming full circle. My first big breakout role will be in like a German film. I promise you. Um, I hope so. I, <laughs> I was at uh, a what we called the Stammtisch, which is where we meet up weekly to talk about just like just converse in German. Use your German, regardless of what level you're at, whether you're beginning or like expert. Sure. And uh, we would just meet up at this pizza place. And I remember I was uh, there and I was trying to be as uh, vocal in the community as I could just because I'm always one of those where if possible, I'm going to get my foot in a door. (laughs) It doesn't matter like... What I have to do if I have to go to a German meeting weekly and like try and be as uh, proficient as possible, I right. will. And I was sitting there and I, I just started talking to this guy um, named Bennett. And I told him how, you know, I had done YouTube and uh, streaming and stuff like this. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, I'm an editor. And I was like, cool, like would you edit for YouTube? And he he said, yes, he'd done that for a few years. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, maybe we can link up and try, you know, work on projects together. And he was like, OK. Um, and then he mentioned like he, he asked why I did YouTube and Twitch. And I said, well, honestly, I just always felt like I should be on camera, like for some reason. It's just like whether it's entertaining or what have you, it's just like I want I want to entertain and like reach people and that's why i've done german inherently inside of you to do that yeah and i i like that's why i was in german and international trade was because i wanted to travel learn about culture language and just talk to people i would never have talked to before learn about people 
Mm -hmm. And so he said, you know, I actually am the president of the film club. You should come check it out. Oh, wow. And I was like, of course, you know, it's a Friday. Most (laughs) people would go get absolutely sloshed, break a few tables and then uh, (laughs) do it all again the next night. But I have nothing planned. So I was like, yes, I will come hang out with you guys. So I go and it's only like four people is me. Uh, Bennett, one of Bennett's friends, and then um, Jeff, who Jeff was a big uh, proponent of helping me get into the industry. Um, Jeff Arsenault. And so there was another person there that was also an editor and also uh, not really much uh, acting. He would do some acting, um, but he was just like one that was like, yo, I'm here to help. And I, I love that. And as soon the first meeting that I went to, we just threw out ideas. What can we do? What can we do right now in this like hour, hour and a half that we have together in this meeting? And so we just got out there and we, uh, Jeff threw out the idea of like a handshake video because he had been inspired by uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, incredibly complicated handshake mm-hmm. with Justin Bieber. Yeah. And uh, so we came up with our own little thing and we did that. Um, and it was just like a little minute long yeah minute to minute long uh video so you guys were more or less making like youtube content still yeah so this was like a bunch of skit comedy um yeah and most of the stuff that uh would follow in the film club would usually be in that vein some of it i would lean a little towards the dramatic and the more um probably obscure type but most of it tried to go towards skate comedy. And, sure. Um, but yeah, that was my first run-in. And since then, uh, I just was like, you know, if I could just make a life of making films and meeting new people constantly, like, that would be a dream come true. Like, I wouldn't need yeah. anything else. I just need a couch and, like, just somewhere where I could take a shower <laughs> and that's all I need. And, just uh, a storage closet. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, we talked about last week with me, you're asking a lot of questions about networking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, t- this week you're proving the point that it can happen literally anywhere. I mean, you're in this German get together and you just happen to bump into this guy and he's president of the film club. And, yeah. you know, that kind of sets you on your path. But, yeah, I think it, as long as you're open to, allowing that to happen, then it can happen anywhere. I mean, you can make connections and you never know who you're talking to until you start digging into the background of each other. So yeah, that's really cool. So you went to Clemson. I don't know if we mentioned that, but good old Clemmy. Yeah. And was your degree graphic design or you mentioned German studies. Was that a my? So that was a pretty, so this goes along with like the whole acting thing and the fact that I had started and I was accepted to Clemson as an engineering major, mechanical engineering. So with that degree, I was like, Oh, I would just go and work in Germany, you know, use my German work in Germany for like BMW, Audi, whoever it is uh, for some auto company and just, like live in Germany and just travel to different countries, learning language, culture, all that sort of stuff and use that as a platform. And as soon as I was at the orientation, the people at the (laughs) orientation, the speakers were people that were like seniors in Clemson. And they're like, man, I remember calculus. I took that four times. And then I was like, Hey uh, mom, did you see the, change your major table like we passed on the way in right (laughs) oh boy (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about so i got up and i changed my major to language and international trade uh that day and it was accepted and uh, i went for a whole year and a half of language and international trade and um within that time frame You know, I realized that although I love language learning, I think my love for it doesn't extend into the classroom. I think it's more of like just the cultural talking to people. And um, that was something that, you know, living in the Southern America, it's hard to find too many people that speak 
uh, different languages other than like Spanish, you know? So German yeah. is kind of like, what am I going to do? Um, so I was, uh, I, after I joined the film club and I started doing some soul searching and I took a, uh, survey on what my major should be. And one of the top dogs that came out in that survey was graphic communications. And the reason for that was because my survey answers came out to be that I was pretty much like left and right brained. Like I enjoy very nitty gritty mm -hmm. details um, when it comes to like, let's say, uh, just following lists and like coding and stuff like that. Just these very, very like mechanical, like just get the follow the procedure and then also most of my answers revolved around like creative stuff as well, like coming up mm -hmm. with stories and uh, designing and stuff like that. And that's what graphic communications pretty much boasted was you could use the know-how of computer programs and printing presses as well mm. as learning how to create graphic design and other forms of content using the Adobe Suite. And so yeah. that's how I ended up in graphic communications, which it was a very broad major that honestly, I could probably get a job in uh, a bunch of different fields that if I had just sure. gone into that one specific field, like communications or into uh, engineering or into uh, any other thing like graphic design, I wouldn't be able to. So mm -hmm. that's how I ended up in uh, <laughs> graphic communications. And I, I told you it wraps into my acting because I had sat down and it was one of the things where I was like, I need to literally stop changing my major. I need to stop changing my mind on what yeah. I want in my life. Because if I just keep changing, I'm never going to get anywhere. And, and it's so I, expensive. So I told myself, I, I was <laughs> like, all right, so I'm staying in graphic communications. And I'm also going to go after acting uh, and use my degree as somewhat of a launching pad of knowledge to get to that point of a and sustainable this was career coinciding with you getting involved in the film club i assume oh and yeah all of that kind of happening around the same time yeah they there was an overlapping period of just like i would call it my i don't want to call it my awakening as if i was just asleep before that but it's more of like yeah. i'm much more aware uh than i was in my first few years of college well i think all this begs the question was there ever a time where college was not on the radar for you were you just gonna go out and do something or were you always like i'm getting a degree and it was engineering i guess starting out or were you like no it was uh there was a time where i just was like you know i'm gonna graduate high school and just go be a plumber with my dad and yeah. that's a very viable route especially when my father owned like the plumbing division of a pretty successful company like yeah trade work is highly profitable I would be making bank and uh, I would have no problem at all learning and just, you know, going about all of like learning the trade. But uh, it was somewhere in my like sophomore, junior year that I was like, you know, I went my mom. She loves to say that it was whenever I went to a Clemson game that I was like, I need to go. Um, but I don't know if that's necessary a hundred necessarily I mean, 100%. I would agree and I didn't go to Clemson. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was more of my trip to Germany that opened my eyes uh, to okay. college as a, an avenue because it told me that there was a world out there than just the small town that I had lived in and that right. in order to get to living in the, you know, or at least traveling and learning about different languages, cultures, and just meeting new people, I would have to go somewhere rather than sure. stay uh, and, you know, say, oh, I'll do it later in life. So I chose to go to college, and coming from a Clemson family, Clemson was pretty much <laughs> the only place I could go. Although I got accepted into a few other reputable colleges, um, that was the only Don't avenue. say that one college, if that was no. one of them. No, no, no. That, that was never in my mind. I never sent in an application. <laughs> that was like, I'll go shovel poop before going there, right? <laughs> the one that shall not be named. <laughs> well, you picked a pretty good one. I mean, they're on most lists within the top 50, so mm -hmm. always a fallback, which, you know, something I might have alluded to 
a little bit last week with myself is college is a fallback. Yeah. Because, you know, any point in this type of work, you can be kind of on your butt with nothing. Oh, and yeah. if you needed to, you could um, pivot back and hopefully pick back up and, you know, not lose everything financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to pivot so you graduate and mm-hmm. that's fairly recent that that's happened and now you're having a few projects under your belt and you've done I think a little bit of stage work as well you mentioned mm-hmm. when you're doing character work do you prefer if the script and or the director is force feeding you everything about how you should be or would you rather have a story where it's a broad storyline and there's guidelines and then they give you a sandbox and say, go play? I feel like there are two Kenneths that would answer this question. One being the one that was like probably around this time last year and maybe even like the beginning of this year and the Kenneth that's here now speaking. Uh, because I think that, you know, my evolution in acting is still it's ongoing and like right now it's even more rapidly changing than I can, you know, I would say even week to week it's changing. Sure. Um, so I'm learning so much and I would say last year I would say I wanted the director to tell me what they wanted. And I would even tell you like my purpose, uh, as an actor, like my personal purpose as an actor was to give the director what they wanted. And, uh, although I still think that's kind of true, I think it's, it never, I never had that sort of feeling of freedom in what I had worked on. Yeah. And although I could easily come up with just rambling on about what a character is, <laughs> where a character come f- comes from, like all these different justifications on why the character is doing what they're doing. And I think I had that wild imagination from when I was younger. Um, I don't think I ever had the ability to realize you can actually implement that. You you figure out ways to implement it yourself and go and do it. Yeah. Um, and so now I would prefer that... It, I would say a hybrid in the fact that I'm going to show up on set and I'm going to do what I believe I think should be seen, right? What I get my interpretation as. Yeah. Um, and then... The director, I would hope that they are not shy about telling me, oh, this is actually what I'm looking for. Can you tune it? And then from me, I'm just like, oh, I got you. No problem. And then I just pretty much pull different levers and not turn knobs mm-hmm. and stuff like that and give them the best that I can of what they want. And so I would say that I I would I love freedom and work and the fact that you're not controlling my every movement like my hands telling me where unless it's a hand shot which <laughs> that's understandable. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> just move your hands in circles however you want. Yes. As long as uh the shot is not specifically like hey I need you to do this one movement that's yeah. very particular. Well, I would I think prefer the freedom to work. That's all prefaced by you got the part from your audition. So mm-hmm. like you know what sandbox you're in. Yeah. It's just a matter of are you gonna play or are you gonna try and seek more guidance to be a little more on the straight and narrow. Right. And you know, you might not get that option. Like the director mm-hmm. sometimes just like this, this, this and this and mm-hmm. other ones are like, This is your mindset, this is what's happened to you and go. Yeah. So that's really good that you can pivot and Interesting that in such a short period of time, you've kind of developed that confidence to feel like you can jump out there in a little bit less uh, structured manner and still deliver on the character performance. Yeah. And I would say like with those two different types that you just mentioned, I'd prefer the the latter Yeah, in the fact that... uh, I would prefer for them to tell me like, this is the mindset, this is the conditions you're under, and I want to see your best interpretation. And so I can internalize and understand it a little bit more. Sure. Um, just personalizing rather than being told, you know, mechanically what to do. So Yeah. And a lot of that comes out in the table reads, the 
conversations before you're shooting. So mm-hmm. even when you jump out there, kind of quote unquote free, you're still going to be within their kind of guidance. So yeah, it's not like you get out there and well, some, sometimes I, mean, I guess it is, but <laughs> you get out there and you just go a whole 180 and they're like, I don't know what you did, but the opposite <laughs> of that and it'll be perfect. Something you've talked a lot about, even since I've known you and on the podcast is John Wick. You yes. love John Wick, uh-huh. the movies, but also just the character himself. You yes. seem to find really fascinating. Oh yeah. I wonder what draws you to that character, and beyond that, why you think that's something that you would want to do, or something that you could pull off in the future with a character like that. Yeah, John Wick. I want to say is just one of those films where. I think it was from first-time directors that were actually stunt directors. I I think they focused mainly on action, and so that was what they uh, predominantly had done in the industry. Mm -hmm. And to come out with this story, and it was written... uh, I can't remember who had written it just off the top of my head, but this writer, um, he did a fantastic job of adapting his comics, because I believe it was comics first, and then... Um, he transitioned it into a film or maybe it was a book, uh, but it just, the story was so well done. I think that I want to emulate that in future films that I have. And the fact that you're constantly questioning and it's almost subverting your expectations of what the character is, because for the first 30 minutes, you just assume John Wick or you don't, I don't even know if you know his name to begin with. I think you just know him as John yeah. is just a guy that. You know, he's living his life. He lost his wife. I mean, at the very first scene, you see that he gets out of a crashed car, which initially is just like, what is going on here? So throughout the first 30 minutes, you're like, what could lead him to getting out of a car like that all bloody and broken? And like, what what could lead to that sort of thing? And so it makes you question. And then it proceeds to show him as just a normal person, like someone you would Mm -hmm. see going through their life, you know, suffering from the loss of a loved one and slowly but surely the like world is built around John. And then you see that John, whenever he first gets his encounters with the assassins that come to his house, he's not playing around. <laughs> this man is not an ordinary Joe. He he's not just, switch. he's not some guy you just see on the street that, you know, he's got to go get his, you know, portfolio diversified. No, he's <laughs> he's a guy that knows how to get stuff done. Yeah. In the realm of guns and knives and fighting. Right. So he uh I, I think the way that it completely subverted the expectations of, oh, this guy's just a normal guy to my God, it's John Wick. <laughs> right. As uh, many people say right before they get killed by him. <laughs> the Baba Yaga. So I think <laughs> I think that John Wick, it was just a perfect storm of these different elements as well as the style used in the film. Now, many directors, they do use a lot of neon lights. Like the Safdies, they have usually a neon uh, section in their film. And that's one of the reasons I love the Safdies is because their use of color, bright, vibrant colors. And in John Wick, when he goes to the circle, this nightclub, you have this play of blue and red on his Mm -hmm. face and like throughout the entire scene that's just so eye-catching and it's like you have these you know he's shooting a guy in the chest and then like you know he's turning around snapping another guy's neck and it all (laughs) looks so beautiful yeah and it's all done so well with the choreography and everything and i think that you know this movie for an actor like because you know you wanted to know why i would want to be in a film like this is because it incorporates so many different skills like you're fighting you're using guns you're driving you're uh he also uses different languages in the film sure so it's incorporating these different skills that just i want someone to be like hey you got this role now i need you to learn how to do like you know wing chun or whatever like these different like fighting styles and like languages and stuff like that i want that because i want to like have nothing to do but that for a solid summer 
Like, right. tell me I have to stay in a gym and learn how to fight for an entire summer. I will drop everything and do it. And so yeah. that's one reason I love and would want to work on a project like John Wick. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think hearing some about your aspirations in life and things that you were wanting to do and kind of learning about culture informs that a little bit too. I'm hoping that someone takes a chance on you. And <laughs> Please, if you're listening and you have a script like that, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's got to be before you get too big. Otherwise, they're not going to let you do all the stunts unless oh, no. you're Tom Cruise or Keanu Reeves, apparently. Right. <laughs> Something I've heard about acting, and I'm not an actor, but you can experience this a little bit with writing, perhaps, is I've heard that it's a pretty lonely and isolating path, often because you're trying to embody the essence of many types of people or layers of someone's personality, and sometimes those aren't even anywhere close to who you are Mm -hmm. or your personality. Yeah. Do you find it difficult and I don't know, you know, how wide of a range of parts you've had, but do you find it difficult to leave your own self and or come back from a role? I would say that I've had roles that were disparate of what I am personally. Like there was one film and I'm still working on the project where I play like a high school douchebag and although like i definitely fit that character the way i look (laughs) um (laughs) i it's very different than what i am personally i'm a very like easygoing fun-loving type person that just wants to talk and like get to non-douchebag i i'm not necessarily the stereotypical douchebag so (laughs) i definitely with roles like that i incorporate myself Uh, In the fact that, like, the way I talk and, like, you know, it is, I am incorporating this character's point of view on these other characters and, like, how he feels towards them. But it's not uh, something that I'm, like, completely 100% outside of myself and trying to find a way to not be who I am and shed any uh, personal aspect because I know how I am and I know why I got the role is because I usually am... Uh, relatively charismatic in uh, the audition. And if they wanted that, then I'm going to give them that. But just <laughs> with the uh, my take of like this character's just overall the way they are, right? And so I usually do that with characters um, is I try not to go too far outside of myself because at some point it's straining in the sense that I think it can come across fake because mm-hmm. it can it can be just not who I am. And if I'm trying to do something that I'm completely not, I can play myself. Like that's that's one of the biggest things about acting is I can talk to you like I am friendly, but then I can also turn around and talk to you as if like I never ever want to see you in my life again. Like I could do that just from changing my perspective on who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And that just comes from finding the personalization in myself and putting that onto you uh, so I don't think it's ever like a hundred percent outside of myself I think it's always just how do I find that personalization of myself and uh, give the most like vivid color of what they want to see right and do you think it's one of those things where you are probably not gonna seek to find roles that are I don't know, let's say like the Joker or something. Like, mm-hmm. would you even want to entertain those or would you just say, no, nah, that's not really my kind of bag with uh, what I'm trying to do with acting? No, definitely. I would love to get roles like that in the sense that, you know, I would be myself in the fact that I, I'm i not, I, I would do my best to get into the character and exude the character's personality, like the certain quirks. Like you talked about the Joker. The Joker is known to be like very, <laughs> yeah. like running around, like running around the city, doing all this chaotic stuff. I would find that in myself and doing like the do research my best and like to embody those yeah, traits. These idiosyncrasies that I have in myself, try and get rid of the ones that are very prevalent, whether it's the way I walk, definitely try to find the way the character walks, how the character talks, how the character just uses his facial muscles and stuff like that. I would find that, but it just the idea of 
shedding myself 100% seems like a good way to lose my mind in how difficult that would be, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of where the question was headed was, does it require you to always be yourself in some capacity? Otherwise, you lose who that might be. I would say that I don't know if I can ever lose myself, and that's one thing that I want to roll that will challenge that and push that past the edge of me not knowing what it is. Because I want a role that will show me that, you know, I have a murderer inside me or I have a just just some horrible type thing inside me because I think everybody does in the fact that this goes into a bunch of psychological work that I just love to listen to. Um, But I think everyone has this what Freud, I believe, called the shadow. I believe Mm -hmm. it was Freud that said that, but we all have the shadow of what can be, uh, but we never act on those impulses. These are impulses that are like, Oh, you're standing next to a cliff. What if you jumped? Oh, you're driving down the road. What if you swerved into the other lane? Like these, this sort of like dark shadow that you have in your mind. A lot of people, they think, you know, no, I can't do that. That's a hundred percent something I'm not going to do. And they try and shut that out. But I think that film and, these stories that you tell definitely can show you that humans are capable of them. These, this is not the best case scenario. We're not talking about a family that just was like, Oh, we can just let her go and her and her husband out of the basement and just let them free. No, we're talking about like possibly torturing them or tell like calling the police and all this sort of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. We're talking about worst case scenario. So we're looking into that shadow and I, I want a role that will push me to actually confront that shadow and show me that, you know, it can be like just to expose that sort of part of my mind, you know? Yeah, that's being able to highlight the darkness, whatever level that is inside us. I don't know. No, I I definitely it's something that's hard to talk about because it's. Like when I say that, I mean, I want, I'm more of an explorer than I am a just sit back and let's see how this just rides out. I'm more of, I want to find the edges. And I think those people like Keith Ledger and those others that played the Joker, like they were finding the boundaries, but these actors that just test the boundaries and they go forth and just do their best to shed what people say is shed the their most self Christian Bale does a good chunk of that too with like transforming his body yeah. and then also also his mannerisms and everything Absolutely. many people they say that you know he's a hundred percent method he he definitely is playing someone that's completely different than he is but I think it's more of like exploring different parts of your mind and like what can cause you to be that sort of way and I, I want roles that pretty much do that yeah. and I want to explore those parts of the minds and I don't think I am afraid that I'm going to ever not come back from that sort of thing because I think that, you know, through meditation and understanding the strains that it can put on you and that understanding there is a level of and a line that's like, this is not me, but this is my, you know, changing of a perspective yeah. on a subject, right? And it's for a work of fiction or, you know, for the art, it's not... Mm-hmm. You know, you doing it to try and go beyond what it is, which is just uh, another outlet for delivering a story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually really fascinating. I was hoping that you had thought about that some, and you definitely have. <laughs> the The other thing, and it kind of could fall in line with this, and we talked about it some with Lacey and Lindsay, was our support systems. Mm-hmm. And how important that is to kind of keeping us grounded, keeping yeah. us humble, keeping us moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I was curious what your support system looks like. Is your family really involved or supportive or do you have like a strong friend group that is kind of championing for you? What's that look like? So my support group is my parents are definitely as supportive as possible. It's not like they're just you know, throwing money at me to go to like acting classes and stuff like that. But they're not telling me, don't do that. Go do something else. Now, I can say that my father was probably the more like, hey, go get a job, make money. Like, you know, don't just go 
throw yourself into acting and be like broke on the street. Sure. And I definitely thank him for that because, you know, I think many people do go into that sort of uh, go into acting and other such just blindly and want to uh, just live in their car for a year or two and <laughs> just like couch surf and stuff like that, which like I'm not against, but it's more of like I think that in order to find more about myself to use as an actor, I need to do other things, whether that means get a job or learn different things about life. Have new um, experiences. Yeah. And so I would say uh, that my parents, they definitely aren't, they're not hindering me, but they're not like throwing money at me to go to school for acting. Mm -hmm. um, so they're very, anytime I get a project done, they're always happy to hear about it. And, uh, my mom is always the first one to throw it up on Facebook and have all oh, her yeah. friends share it and stuff like that. So, um, and as far as a friend group that is necessarily a hundred percent, um, like supportive, I don't think I have a, a group, uh, that I just have of dedicated acting friends. Um, sure. I do have some friends that are actors and we do follow the same thing. And when we get together, we just, talk ham about the acting like of course i have my roommate gerald who like as a support system goes if i were living with like let's say a banker like <laughs> I, it would probably be tougher for me to right. uh record stuff without him being like hey are you mentally okay um so i think that surrounding myself with uh people whether i'm going and meeting people uh that are in the industry or going to these classes and other such it that's more of my support system than anything and yeah. it's it's not something that i inherently had like many people that go through the theater program have uh where you have people in the theater program and they're like oh i know you and uh we're gonna work on this together and run lines overnight and all this sort of stuff like i never had that sort of thing gerald's the closest that it came to yeah uh you didn't but, come out of school with any sort of industry connections or bonds or yeah. colleagues to collaborate with. You just had to find those things. Yeah. Most of the people that I know in the industry, I found through just like constantly keeping those bridges open. Like you, for example, and my entire Charlotte family that hey. just you like keeping the avenue open and constantly checking in on you guys like and this is stuff where i've had friends where you know i would do my best to check in on them as much as possible but it's just that connection is not being reciprocated and it's just right. you know i get the hint it's okay yeah. i'll i'll kind of drop the ball and let you go on your own and i won't ties it's not it's not 100% cutting ties and telling them hey you ignore me whatever but it's more of like <laughs> i'll just let it fizzle away yeah, and it's going to be mean, in hibernation everyone's until got their the future close friends and everyone's got a bunch of acquaintances and mm -hmm. you know just knowing who those people are is what matters yeah so i would say my support system it's very uh it's not very centralized it's very disparate uh in the fact that that they're multiple different people regardless of if they're actually actors or in the film industry at all um they can just be people that are like i i i would have people message me because of like fall nights and everything and just seeing that i'm acting and these are people from my high school and they would reach out to me and be like hey man i just want to let you know that you're absolutely inspiring that you're going after like acting and all that sort of stuff and just honestly like just showing that you can buckle down and go after something is uh just awe-inspiring and you know yeah. in my mind i'm like i'm at the bottom of the totem pole brother <laughs> i'm not anywhere near it but but even still i mean that's proof that you can like there is an audience there's people mm -hmm. looking there's uh, eyes on you whether mm -hmm. it's two people or two thousand yeah so that's really cool that people are doing that and reaching out yeah and to since we're on the topic, I'll mention that this is something that I've struggled with in the past. Uh, I think in the beginning of my college and also even into like the past year, two years is like a confidence issue I've had with, you know, I would exude this sort of personality of, you know, I, I'm very talkative. I'm very happy, uh, happy go lucky, that sort of uh, vibe. And 
um, I would just show up and do what I can um, to put on this face. But then like underneath, I was like remembering that, you know, I don't truly have to I don't have a best friend that I tell all my secrets to like some people do. And I don't have like a big friend group where I could just be like, you know, oh, let, let, let's go hang out. I do have some friends that are like that, but it's not like I, I have someone to lean on. Right. And that's something that I'd struggled with in the past year, uh, two years with coming to grips with. Um, but now it's gotten a lot better in the fact that, you know, I, I'm, I like to call myself an introvert. Many people they'll call me an extrovert just because I You're love a talking. You're a long-winded introvert. <laughs> yes. And um, I, I think that, you know, <laughs> I, my, my train of thought is lost, but ultimately it's something that I've struggled with in the past with my support system, but they're, they're ultimately like what keep me going and keep me uh, up. But just personally, like I never had anybody that was just there and a hundred percent like, Hey man, I want to let you know that you're awesome today and you're going out and getting it. Like yeah. I never had something like that. I until I, now, until now, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's something that I'm still coming to grips with. That's a long winded explanation. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's always a couch here for you, pal. <laughs> we, uh, recognize our own kind and support runs deep. So <laughs> it's been great getting to know you. Thank you. I want to kind of wrap things up. I think we're coming to the end here and it's been a great kind of deep dive into how Kenneth came to be <laughs> and the is where he is now, which in a short period of time, I mean, acting wasn't always on your mind and once it popped back into it, you jumped on it and now you're pursuing it and you moved to go after it and kind of left whatever stability you had. So mm -hmm. that's inspiring by itself. And I think people can take note of that and hopefully be inspired themselves. But something that I always think about, and I think a great way to wrap this up is legacy. Right. And for me, when I think about legacy, it's like, what do I want to leave behind for my family or for mm -hmm. my kids or more abstract and open the world? So at the end of your career, when you're looking back, what types of things do you hope to leave behind for those people, whether it be your family or the world, your followers, all the people that have impacted you? What do you want them to say? or relate to you and your name when it's all said and done? I That's a very good question and something that I do contemplate uh, every now and then uh, because getting into acting and um, all of this, it's really caused me to think about how I want to be perceived uh, by if I did end up making it like next year, the next two years, how would I mentally be uh, and how could I handle it? And so I've just been kind of shower thoughting my way to this answer. But I think it would be uh, just going after something and, you know, not taking no uh, as an answer necessarily, like uh, finding some way, shape or form to get your name uh, out there and never just settling because I never want to settle for anything even if it's you know maybe it's not the right avenue but I'm still gonna find an avenue that I can go down and be remembered by um, and I find that uh, in acting it's it's gonna be like if you don't like if I don't impress you the first time around maybe I'll get you the second maybe I'll get you the third maybe I'll get you the hundredth right <laughs> I'm not Absolutely. I'm not going anywhere. It's persistence, like just constantly staying here and not going away. You may not hear about me now. You may not hear about me next year, the year after, but at some point you will. And uh, it's not out of, I want to be remembered as one of the greatest, but more of like, I want to be, uh, I want to make it to where I want to make it. And I want to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what I need to. Like, and however long it takes to get there. 
So if anything, if I had to boil it down to a word, it would be persistence. Beautifully said. <laughs> and I think on that note, we'll wrap things up with Kenneth. Always appreciate the good conversation, buddy. My man. And the hope the audience kind of gained something from this interview and then also last week's as well and can kind of see where we're coming from as we continue on with this little podcast thing we're doing here. So as always, we thank you guys and we appreciate you listening and we hope that you follow along as we continue on. And one good way to do that is Instagram at the Cinevibes. And another option is the old email. If you want to jump over there, you can send us one at cinevibescast at gmail.com. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, it really means a lot. Definitely connect with us. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys, whether it's your film recommendations, your film reviews on different films that maybe we haven't discussed. Just get like if you're interested and you just want to throw us a whole paragraph and overwhelm my brain. Yes. please do so, uh, whether it's at the email or on the Insta. Spread the word. Get the podcast going. We want more people to connect with and those polls that we do on Insta. We want more people to tell us what to talk about and what to review. Top five worst movies. Let's hear them. (laughs) Nice. So thank you all so much for listening again, and we will see you in the next episode. And we're out. We're out.